Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you want to turn with me there. Ecclesiastes 4. Solomon's moving uh, through this book more of a, to more of a teaching style. You know, more than just, uh, here's my experiments. And he's got a little bit of that left in him yet, you know, as he compares this and says, well, that's, that's vain, that's empty. We're still going to get that phrase. It is the most repeated phrase here in the book. Um, we have today here a proverb. Solomon's known for his proverbs. He wrote a book of proverbs, you know, that, that we have for us. And it's going to give us advice. And that's why, you know, the teacher is writing this for us. You know, he is, uh, he is wanting to save us time, save us frustration. That's wisdom, right? If you can learn from someone else's mistakes, if you can go and like, oh, I don't have to experiment on that 5,000 times to find out the outcome, that's wisdom, you know, learning from what someone else has done. So uh, he wants to save us time. He wants to save us thought. You know, I've done that before. I've thought and thought about something, and then I've gone somewhere. I'm like, oh, somebody's already done the thinking for me, you know, and then just be able to use the product or, or buy whatever it is or... or I thank the Lord for YouTube anymore. It's like, oh, how do I fix that? There it is on YouTube. I'm glad someone took the time and filmed that in their yard so I now know how to fix my water pump on my car. You know, it comes in great, great handy tool that we have there. Uh, it used to have to be, what, encyclopedias? Or I remember when I had a CD-ROM that had things on it you can look up. You know, now it's just right there you can find it on your phone. But here Solomon's going to give us instruction that is practical. And it's, and it's pretty much to this. Learn forever. Ever be learning don't ever think you've arrived, that you've got it all. Because the minute you do that, you're stumped. That is the biggest hindrance in your life if you come to that point where you think, I already know it. You know, and that makes you unteachable, and that makes it where you can't learn anything, and that's going to stifle you and put you where you don't have growth, where you don't learn anymore. He wants us to be ever learning. Let's read it, and then we'll come dissect it. So Ecclesiastes 4, verse 13 it says, better is a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas he also uh, that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. I consider all the living which walk under the sun with the second child that, it, that shall stand up in his stead. There is no end of all the people, even all that have been before them. They also that come after shall not rejoice in him. Surely this is also vanity and vexation of spirit. There's that familiar phrase. We have under the sun in there and vanity and vexation of spirit. And so that's a common phrase that he has. But he tells us a story here. And I'll admit, in the King James, this is very clunky and backwards and kind of like, I'm not getting this. You know, so it took me some brain thinking on this one. But, it's, but I think we've got it here you know, by comparison of different uh, uh, Bible versions and different commentaries, uh, which... You know, Ecclesiastes is one of them, you know, there's a lot of mornings where I'm like, why did I pick this book? You know, <laughs> because I don't know much about it. And then, you know, a lot of people don't talk a lot about it. And you know, I'm like, thanks for the help, guys who've gone before me. You know, and so, but it takes a little time and thought to put into it. But this is the story of America. Not per se, but the American story. It's what we're used to, what we're built in. That we don't have a royal family system. It's like, oh, you've been born into royalty and you're, you're above us all. We don't have that. Uh, we don't have a caste system. Uh, C-A-S-T. I, I, I was, always thought it was C-A-S-S, but I went to spell it. It's caste. A caste system where you have a title that is passed down to someone else or you have some authority that's passed on to you just because you're the son of so-and-so and so It's like an earl or whatever else that gets passed down to you. You know, from generation to generation, you don't do anything. You don't earn it. You're just born in the family. You're in that way. You have to stay in that caste, and you're not to go below. You're not to go above. You're, you're kind of trapped in that whole system and how it is. Uh, most ladies know that. They probably read Jane Eyre and all those different things. And, yes, I've been forced to watch all 
all those movies and listen to because <laughs> my wife, but it's, but it's kind of interesting. It says in that system, you know, you're never allowed to get out of your section, out of your class. If you do, it's scandal. You know, it's like, oh, how dare you? You know, think of Titanic. You know, they are on their different different levels there. You know, there's the people in the steerage, and there's the people that are living like royalty on top. And it's a, a, a class system. Uh, well, we, we really don't have that. I mean, there's kind of that, but, but that's not a barrier that is there. It is a barrier that can be broken out of. It's not a limitation to you. Truly, in America, you can be, poor, be born poor and without anything, and you could rise up to be president of the United States. There's nothing there that impedes you from that, you know, other than votes. You know. But, but you, know, that's it. you can, that is a possibility, that is a goal that you can have. I can remember my parents you know, telling me that. It's like, you know, you have an opportunity in front of you to be whatever in the United States. Or, you know, if it's not president, you can uh, own a company, you can be an actor, you can be in sports, you can be whatever, musician, you can do whatever you want, rise to the, to the top of it. With hard work, with determination, with perseverance, America is truly a land of opportunity. That's why people flood it to come in. That's why people rush to it. We have a system here where you can work to get ahead. You know, you can... You could go on Shark Tank and think of the great thing that you're going to have. It'll be on QVC, and next thing you know, it's a household name, and everybody's going to know what the thingamabob is because you invented it, and now they all must have it, you know, for that year. And then it goes on to something else. But, you know, opportunity. And I've seen some of the guys on there. It's like, I've been living in my car. I put everything into this little car that drives around a record, and it plays a song, and, you know, I can't believe you chose it. And, yeah, I want one. I haven't bought it yet. But, yeah, but it's like, man, this guy you know, just worked hard at it. He had a dream, and, and that dream pays off, you know, that he, that he strives hard and, and to get it. And so you know, we have that in America. We have that opportunity. Solomon says the advantages <clears throat> for us in that is being teachable, learning from mistakes. Uh, a lot of people do that. You know, they, uh, they, they fail a lot in that striving to try to get ahead. I think of, you know, a classic American story, Thomas Edison. He's trying to invent the electric light bulb. You know, one, uh, how you can come up with that idea? I know, let's make you, know, then you just use fire is what you use. Everybody else is using gas lights and everything else. And he wants to tap into this new technology, you know, electricity. Let's make light with that. And so he was asked when they went to his laboratory where he had all these different things. And I'll admit, I, I played with this. We had a thing at work that was a light bulb blew out. And I was able to get all the glass off, and I kept the little leads there. And I remember reading the story of Thomas Edison that he tried all these different filaments, you know, before he could get it to work. So I experimented at work: bubble gum wrapper, you know, straw, you know, different things. And I just like watching things catch on fire. But, uh, <laughs> but I played with all these different things. I was thinking, man, what a time when he didn't know which one was going to work. He didn't know how it was going to be. And a reporter came to him and said and talked about his failures as they stood in the lab. He hasn't invented the electric light bulb yet. And he, and he has all these examples of what they had tried, all these different metals between the two little leads, you know, that what's going to glow and not burn up and make light. And they're like, look at all this failure. Why don't you just quit? And he said, I have not failed. I have found 10,000 ways that had not worked. You know, that's an attitude that's going to breed success. We now sit under you know, incandescent light bulbs because... He didn't see it as, I failed, I failed, they're all failures. No, he saw it as, well, I've ruled out 10,000 things that don't work. Let's keep trying. You know, and he finally put cotton in there and it worked. You know, so he kept trying. You know, that, that's uh, that's a, a stick-to-itiveness. That's a, that's a perseverance. That's a learning from your mistakes you know, that, that we call scientific method today you know, and trying to progress in that way. He also said this, we often miss opportunity because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. You know, a lot of people just don't want to do it. Like, ah, it looks like a lot of work. I'm not going to do that. You know, it's a good idea. Think about it for a minute and then, I'm not going to do that way. You know, we want it to be 
fall in our lap, you know, easy come to us, you know. Uh, it's almost like we yearn to be the rich guy who's born and gets the title given to him and never did anything to earn it. <clears throat> Solomon's saying, no, don't be that guy. Work hard. Take instruction. Listen to guidance. Take advice from people. Uh, verse 13, he says, Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Uh, uses the word admonish here. That means warn. means to teach. That's how we've been talking about you know, teachable moments. It also means to send light, which I thought was ironic. We would use the term enlighten. So someone's going to come alongside you and say, let me tell you the scoop on this. You know, let, let me enlighten you to how this system works or to how this works. And it's like, oh, that saves me a lot of frustration. I've been using it wrong. Um, Home Depot is at a crossroads, I heard. They're saying with millennials, because <clears throat> uh, Home Depot, Menards, Lowe's, all those places are do-it-yourself centers, right? You know, do-it-yourself, the, the handyman, the, the home fix-it guy. Millennials don't know how to do anything. They don't want to do it. You pay someone to come fix your place. And so they're having to teach classes on how to use a hammer, you know, how to use a screwdriver, how to do this, because their fathers never taught them, because they were all too busy, and they had no desire. You just pay someone to do it. So they're having to offer all these free classes to come in there and teach you so that they can have a consumer base to then consume their products. If not, it's just all going to be commercial in that way. And so you, they want to enlighten them. Here's how you can do it yourself. You don't have to pay someone you know, to do all this. You, you can try it yourself this way. And so it's enlightening and teaching in, in that way. Solomon is enlightening us on how to get ahead. He says, better. Better is poor and a wise child. Why? Over a king? Well, a stubborn king. A king who won't be taught. So he's better because he's teachable. The poor and wise kid can learn. You know, he, he's going to take instruction. He's going to better himself as he goes along. You're going to knock him down and he's going to get back up. He's going to say, well, that way didn't work. I'm going to try something else. He's going to be like Edison with 10,000 failed light bulbs and just see them as, well, I know 10,000 ways that don't work. And I'll keep going until I find the one that does. This is key. Being willing to take instruction, to be teachable at so many levels, to be humble yourself enough to say, I don't know, I need help. I need instruction. That's the first part of salvation, right? To come to him and say, I need help. I am poor. I am bankrupt. I am destitute. You know, and so to, to come to this and, and, and everything in life, to be able to have, well, you know, maybe you can show me something. Maybe you can teach me something. Hey, I learned something today. I love it when I can come home and say, I learned something today. I, I, knew, I know something I didn't know before. You know, sometimes it's something I didn't even know I didn't know. You know, it's like to, to have that and you add to it, you're like, man, my mind has been expanded as we've done this. You know, <clears throat> I trained a guy at work. I've trained a lot of different guys at work, but I was training a guy at work, and I was trying to teach him, you know, how we do things, you know, because, you know, every company's kind of the same way, right? It's, there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's our way. You know, we want you to do it our way, and it's like, and there's a reason why. We have a way in which we do it, and that we can put a trust in it in that way, and so I, I was teaching this man, you know, he was the same age as me, I think maybe he's a year younger, and I was trying to, to show him how to do something, and he kept saying this, I'm a big boy, I can figure it out. He didn't. He got fired. <laughs> so, and, you know, but if he would have humbled himself enough to take a little instruction, let me help you out. I, I know a way to make this easier. There's a way in which we do things. This was a way that's not going to get you in trouble with the boss. You know, I tried every tactic I could to try to teach him because I didn't want to run the machine anymore. You know, so I'm trying my best. I'm motivated to teach him how to do this. Didn't want to learn it. And he didn't learn it. Um, got it and, and he died young. He died young because he had that bullheaded kind of a spirit. Nothing was going to tell him what to do. No one's going to give him any instruction. He died at a young age. And so it's scary. It could almost be deadly if you won't be teachable. 
Um, and so, uh, you, know, you need to listen. You need to take advice. You need to take instruction. Uh, the Bible talks about that often. The Proverbs that Solomon writes talks about that often. Listen to understanding. Seek wisdom. S- search after these things. Know it. Um, now, the joke is with the, you know, when you have a teenager is that they should move out when they are a teenager because they know everything, right? And the joke is they, they don't know anything. You know, and once they move out, they find out, I don't know anything. I, I appreciated um, the calls uh, that I've gotten from my kids as they moved out on their own and, and said, thank you. You know, it's like, oh, wow, you took care of a lot of stuff I never knew went on. You know, it's like, that light bill has to be paid every month. Though. They shut it off, Dad. You know, hey, it's hard to take a shower. There's no water. It's like all those things, it adds up. You know, you're like, man, I, I never appreciated all that. And so, you know, they think they know it all, but you don't know it all. And so when you're trying to instruct as a parent, you know, sometimes it's hard when you want to like, open your ears and understand you're trying to give them life advice to put them farther ahead but they got to get them to a point where they need to be teachable Solomon here is saying be teachable it's better to be a poor and wise person who will take instruction to be the richest guy and the king and the ruler of the land who won't take instruction he is worse off than this poor guy is what he's saying and so even the Bible even talks about deacons and, and leaders that they are not to be novices, you know, that they are to have some experience. They're, they're to have some life lessons that they have learned enough to the point where they come humble and willing to even continue to learn, to be teachable in that way. Um, we even have that with our president. You know, they have to have some age underneath them because we want somebody who's been through some things and learned. And, and hopefully, they, one of the things that they've learned is that they don't know it all. They need to surround themselves with people who do know more than them. Uh, verse 13 says again, it says, Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will be, uh, who will no more be admonished. Um, I guess you can read into that. There's more opportunities for the poor and the rich, poor kid than the than the rich king. The king who won't listen will destroy his kingdom. Uh, and the best example I could think of uh, in our day would be George Lucas. I think we all probably know George Lucas. If you don't know who he is, you at least know his movie, Star Wars. If you've ever seen a lightsaber, you know George Lucas. And that way, <clears throat> he made the first three movies. You know, you had uh, Star Wars, was what we always called it, Empire Strikes Back and The Return of the Jedi. Three classics. Three, three great movies. <clears throat> um, I don't care what you say, Empire's the best. You know, and so out of those three, three good movies, three good stories, you know, unique storyline that is there, classics. I mean, fandom that reaches for miles. You know, people that do anything. I... Uh, a friend of mine that visited us last August, you know, turned 50, and he just sent me a picture of his house. It's a Star Wars party for a 50-year-old. He just decorated the house. It's like, it, it looks pretty cool. But, you know, so it, it sticks with you. It's one of those things. It's a good classic story, good triumphing over evil. You know, just some good things in that way. Uh, got so successful, years later, let's make the prequels, right? Let, let's make three movies before that, and let's milk this cash cow, right? And so that's what they want to do. And you have the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith, which I had to go look up their titles. I've seen all three, not memorable films, not something I'm like, boy, I want to watch that again. You know, they, they were kind of stinkers compared to the first three. You know, they, they, they weren't very good. Um, why? The first three, he was married. And his wife worked with him on set. And she would say, George, that's stupid. We're not going to do that. <laughs> or that, that doesn't make any sense. Or why would that guy do that in that way? And so she was there as a voice, a sounding board to say, no, that's dumb. You know, it's like you need someone every once in a while to say, I don't think, we, I don't think you're thinking on that. You know, you need, you need some direction on this. You know, and so, and so she kept him in line. <clears throat> After the first three, he got divorced. And so he surrounded himself with yes men. And he's like, you know what? 
I think we should have a funny-talking lizard guy who kind of looks like a dog in it. We'll call him Jar Jar Binks. That's a wonderful idea, sir. Yes, sir. Me, sir. And so they all thought that was great, and we all think that was the funniest thing in the movie. They had this character that was weird, and they had all these things where they could have no violence, or had the violence had to be with robots. And all. And it becomes a stinker because there was no one there to tell him no. He was not admonished. He had yes-men all around him saying, yes, yes, yes. And, You're a genius, sir. Uh, no, he ends up losing his franchise, right? Disney buys it off of him, and they had to get it in some better hands because they're like, you're going to ruin this to the point where it's, it's bad beyond bad. And so he needed a sounding board in that way. He needed some admonishment. If he'd had that, if he probably had his wife with him, he'd probably, we'd probably have six classic films. And so you know, he wouldn't take instruction anymore because he was surrounded with yes men. Yes men don't help you. You need to have true people around you. I, I, I try to make myself available for correction. Um, Betty. Well, when she was here, was a good source of, don't get too big for your britches, and here's what I think, and here's how that goes. I have a wife who keeps me in line the same way that way, and I have it open to all of you. If I'm wrong, tell me. If you love me enough to care for me, stop me if I'm going wrong, and correct me in this way. I don't want all yes men. I need three people to kick me in the rear to keep me on track in that way, and so good people should have it that way. I want that. I want guidance and direction. I want protection in this. I don't want to be a king who won't take admonishment. You know, and so we need to be that way. It's great in a marriage, it's great in everything. We need to be teachable. We need to have accountability. We need to be admonished, as this king had taken it to where he couldn't be, where this poor guy could, and he rose to great things. And Solomon says, and I think he has a specific guy in mind. It's a story lost to us in history, probably. But he knows the story. He's the wisest man ever lived. And so uh, he's conveying a story to us that, that, that we've lost but we understand it. It's in many movies that we have. And so, verse 14, I think he's talking about the same guy. He says, um, For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. It's a little backward, but he's saying here that this guy was born poor, but because he listened to instruction, because he was shown the light, he had taken admo- admonishment, although he was poor, he became a king. That's hard to do in the ancient world. That's hard to do now, to rise up to that standard. And so, especially in the ancient world, that it was a, a hierarchical system. Or it was a caste system that you had to be born in the, in, the, in the bloodline or something out in this way. For this guy to be born in a prison, or start out poor and, and in a prison, and to rise up to be a king, to be a ruler over a kingdom, that's hard to do. And Solomon's like, I've observed this. And I see why this happened. It's because this guy was teachable. Um, what a hero that guy would have been for the poor in that day, right? That would have been a story. Uh, we would make a movie of it today. It would be like Prince of the Pauper, you know, something like that, you know, a rags to riches kind of story. Uh, an example for people to follow. This guy did it. This guy was there. He'd be a king that you would respect. He understands our plight. He's been where we are. He wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth, you know, all those things. He worked hard. He learned. He took instruction. You know, he is ever learning. He's a king who is wise, who takes advice and, and listens to his advisors. And he's not just one who set his ways on the throne and, oh, what a king to, to, to be under. You, know, you can almost sense that kind of, oh, they should be happy about it. Verse 15 says, I consider all the living which walk under the sun <clears throat> with the second child that shall stand up in his stead. There is no end of all the people, even all that have been before them. They also that come after shall not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. It's a little clunky, but, but here's what it's saying. He says, I consider this man and his story. And again, it's, it's the stuff of movies. You know, it's the stuff of legends, right? You know, from a poor guy with nothing to become a king. Uh, 
from, again, rags to riches. We even have that saying, rags to riches, you know, because these accounts, you know, stick to us in that way. This poor boy, probably not even free, sounds like he was in prison, to become a king. Boy, what adversity to overcome. You know, it's a story you want to read. How did he do it? What was going on? What steps did he take? What obstacles did he face that he got around besides being poor and in prison, you know, which are two major obstacles? You know, to get out of that to the point where he's a king? Verse 16, he says, There is no end of all the people, even of all them that have been before him. He couldn't even tell you. Solomon's like, I couldn't even tell you all the number of the people that this guy ruled over. So this guy has quite the kingdom. Uh, He says, I can't tell you, I couldn't tell you how big this guy's kingdom was. It's a vast kingdom. And all those that benefit. For generations, he even talks about those that come after. Uh, for generations, because of this man's rule, that this man thought of some ingenious things and, and some ways of ruling that probably empowered the people some and gave them a little bit of a voice in that way. Like I said, we don't really know much about it. But he says, Solomon's looking down the road, he goes, this is going to benefit for a while. This is changing how things are done. You know, so we probably really don't realize how you know, uh, breaking technology this was that this man brings. That this kingdom that he built, it's safety. Uh, it's wealth, the lifestyle of that kingdom. You get kind of known for that. All those things put together. He says, all this are in there. He says, man, I can't even tell you. He says, also those that come after him. Uh, that's the generations later, after this man dies and, and he's gone. Uh, and their kids, and their kids, they're going to benefit from what this guy did. It's going to be a lasting thing for generations. Uh, and Solomon thinks about it. And Solomon thinks into the future. And he says, uh, they shall not rejoice in him. That's what it puts there. He says, uh, they shall not rejoice in him. So he's thinking, he goes, I'm going to think a few generations ahead. And he goes, they're not going to know this guy. They're not going to remember him or his story. They're just going to say, we're in this kingdom. It's great. And we have all these benefits and rules. And I deserve them. And they're going to know where they came from. They're not going to do the roots. Uh, America today, right? <laughs> it's just something that we have. It's not something that we fought for. Matter of fact, let's give away the things that we fought for. You know, that, that, that's where we are today. But... You know, this guy, he's like, I, they're not going to know him. And I tried to think of an example of uh, someone in the past who influences me and that I enjoy their work, but I don't know. But I don't know him, right? You know, <laughs> I'm like, how would I think of that guy? I don't know that guy if it's somebody I don't know. So I had to do some research, and so I did some research and looked around, and I kind of lucked you know, on to, to one that uh, I didn't know that I knew. You know, and, and so that, just blind chance because I was thinking, Famous people in, in, in the 1900s and famous people, famous people I don't know and, and, and going through. And I, and I found out uh, this guy named Eddie Canner. Uh, Eddie Canner, I'd heard his name, I'll admit to that, you know, because I listened to old radio shows. I like listening to Jack Benny sometimes. I like listening to these old shows. And they would reference him and I'd be like, I don't know who that guy is. You know, but uh, every once in a while I knew he'd sing on there. And I'd be like, okay, he's a singer. I'd fast forward through that part. You know, <laughs> not really my style. Like, you know how they would sing in the 1900s. But uh, he's born in 1892 or 1897. I can't remember right. In New York. He died in 1964. So a year before I was born. Uh, he was a singer. He was a dancer. Yeah, he was a comedian. He had, he had a broad spectrum, you know, not just a, a one-trick pony. He, he, he hit all the entertainment media. Uh, he was born to Russian Jewish immigrants. His mom died a year after he was born. His dad born, uh, I think, when he was uh, two, you know, so no parents, you know, not much upbringing. Uh, was raised by his grandmother. And so literally rags to riches in a poor time 
uh, as an immigrant in America with no parents. Uh, he joined the Ziegfeld Follies. A lot of you probably know those. That was a, a, an entertainment show that went around. Uh, he did radio. He was a singer. Like I said, he was in stage plays. He was in movies. He was in over 30 different movies. Try to think of a modern-day person who's in 30 different movies, you know. Uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the guy. Now. I, I had a guy pop my head, but I can't remember his name. But he had, had all these different movies. You know, that, that's pretty... That's pretty uh, Put yourself out there. You're, you're in the market if you're in 30 different movies. Classics like The Kid from Spain. We all remember that one. Um, Kid Miller's <laughs> Alibaba Goes to Town. I, I don't know any of these movies. I read through the list. I don't know any of these. You know, Bob Hope was in it, and I probably haven't seen it if it's black or white. You know, you know and the, he's in the, the, some, some funny movies, but he was on TV, too. Uh, he, he lived from the radio age until the TV age. He was in the Colgate Comedy Hour. Uh, matter of fact, you know, he was groundbreaking. He kind of got in trouble because he had Sammy Davis Jr. come on, and he wiped his brow, and it was like seen as a how dare you. And he was like, no, this guy is a man, and he's an entertainer. He had him on. They told him not to have him on anymore, so he invited him on two more times. You know, so he was kind of a little in your face. I'm fighting for the man. You know, I, I want equal opportunities here. So he's kind of a, a forefront in that way. He was in cartoons. Here's where he influences me. Right? And so he's in cartoons. I, I didn't know he was in cartoons. I didn't know his characters in cartoons. As I read through the list of cartoons that were about him, or based on his comedy routines, I'm like, oh, I remember those. I never got them. I just watched them because they were on TV, and that was cartoon. You know, and so, but uh, as I read some of his routines, what was going on, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. I understand that now. But he was a very famous guy. The jokes worked in the cartoons because people knew who he was, and they knew his gags. And uh, he was called Old Banjo Eyes, and so there's this guy with these weird eyes that they'd be like, oh, that's Eddie Canner. And I'd be like, I don't, don't know who that is. You know, but I would still watch it. Rags to riches, but we don't know him. Warner Brothers... Um, made the cartoons, you know, the WB and uh, uh, Merry Melodies. You know, that's, that's your Bugs Bunny, your Yosemite Sam, you know, all, all, all the classic ones that, that I was raised with. Um, <clears throat> they they named, named him after one of his famous songs, uh, Merrily We Go. And so they named, they're like, oh, we want a funny cartoon show. Let's name it after the funniest guy with the funniest song, Merrily We Go, along the way. Or something. So they, they pick it. And so he was so famous and so funny, you know, they, they picked one of his songs to be the theme song. I'm like, I don't know. I had to look at it, but it's... You all know it, right? Bugs Bunny, right? The Bugs Bunny theme song. That's one of his famous songs. And so they picked it because they're like, oh, this will put everybody in the mood for some comedy. That's Eddie Cantor's song. We all know this song. And I don't know that song. That's Bugs Bunny's song. You know how it is, but that's how famous he was. There's one cartoon that they actually draw him in it. Uh, and it's in a list of famous people that Elmer Fudd snubs. And so he goes down, he looks at Bing Crosby, Al Jolson, Jack Benny, and then Eddie Cantor with these googly eyes. And then Elmer Fudd snubs them. And I'm like, I remember, I knew three of them. I didn't know who the other guy was. That was, that was the Eddie Cantor. I don't, I don't know him. Fame doesn't last long. The influence that he had in the entertainment industry from music to dancing to comedy to cartoons and all that didn't last very long at all. I'd watch some of his stuff. We all knew his song, you know, as well as I sang it. But um, I didn't know who to credit it to. You know, I was benefiting from the comedy of a Bugs Bunny cartoon and some of his gags that, that he was famous for doing on stage. I didn't get the reference that it was pointing back to him. I'm a generation after that generation. You know, I, I didn't make that same impact on me as it would have to someone back you know, in the day. And so it doesn't have any really long-lasting reach. That's kind of, that was the best example I could think of, of someone being underneath this and then not knowing who he was. So think of uh, 
reality shows today. <laughs> these people who think they're something. I remember being downtown and a van had some kid's name on it and all these girls were swarming it. You know, it was when I was coming home from work and it was back there and <clears throat> I remember reading enough of the name and coming home and telling the kids, I'm like, what's a Justin Bieber? And they're like, it's some YouTube kid. This is before he was whatever, whatever. And I'm like, <clears throat> like, I don't, know, I don't know what he was. These girls are going nuts over him. It's like, he wasn't famous to me, and he probably won't be famous for very many generations. You know, it's like, it's one of them, it's, it's, it's famous fleeting. You know, it's the one hit wonders, you know, of, of all the different songs. People have their great hit, right? We'll remember this forever. Who are they and where are they now, right? That, that's the whole TV show, right, we have now. Where are they now? Are the famous actors or um, clickbait that we have on the internet? Where is Gary Coleman now? Or where is whatever? What do they look like now? And you're kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of curious. What does he look like now? And 50 clicks later, you finally get to the picture of him. You know, but it's, yeah, so I fall for it. Jody's laughing. She knows. <laughs> but it's, it's there. You get curious. <clears throat> and so he's saying, he says, basically, he says, so it's vanity. As much as this guy did and as much as he learned and the great impact he made on his society, he goes, it's vain. It's empty. It doesn't really matter. Um, but uh, there is a story, and I was looking at this, I'm like, man, where do I put Jesus in this? You know, it's like, that's one of the things where I, how do you fit, you know, Christ in this story? And I'm like, oh, this is an easy one. There was a baby that was born to the poorest of the poor, lived in the poorest of towns, Nazareth, who was hated and despised and rejected, but became world famous. His fame was known everywhere. The Bible says so. We still talk about him. He was the wisest of the wise. He is wisdom personified. He is the word. He was mocked for being a king. Oh, he said that he's a king. Let's mock him as a king. Yet one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It can be your story too. It's our story. His story can be your story. And it is your story if you have had him, right? You humble yourself. You come to him poor. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Lord, I have nothing. I have nothing to offer you. There's nothing good within me. I can bring you nothing. I need salvation. Come to him poor, humble, and begging. <clears throat> Bankrupt. If we repent and trust in him, we are adopted into the family. We will be joint heirs with him. We will rule and reign with him. We are children of the kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, where the Bible tells us, he knows your name. Your name will be remembered. Matter of fact, the Psalms tells us that he will carve you in the palms of his hands. Those scars he looks at, he thinks of you because he paid for your sins. You were lovely. You were precious to him. You were someone that he has died for. You will be with him for eternity. And the things you do for him, if you are teachable, if you're instructable, if you could be a student as this poor guy was who was in prison, we were in the prison of, of sin, you know, in that way. If we, if we could be like him, if we could be teachable and be admonished and take instruction from the Lord, if we could seek wisdom and follow after him and take his instruction and live for him and live a life that's pleasing unto him, he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. See, there's a phrase that we have that's uh, is right. It makes sense and it fits into this one. What's done on earth will pass, only what's done for Christ will last. You know, and so we need to do for him. And if we live for him and not just for earthly kingdoms, not just for earthly wealth and earthly fame, <clears throat> if we do it for his kingdom, if we do it for his fame, to publish his name, for his glory, for his benefit, then it lasts. Then it lasts forever. And he says, I will know your name. 
That's just astonishing to me. You know, we have a president in the White House. He doesn't know my name. But there is a king on the throne of heaven who knows my name. He knows me intimately. I speak with him daily. I talk to him. I try to walk with him. I try to listen to his admonishment, his teaching, his instruction. And to know that uh, I can pray and, and have conversation with him, it's astounding. And he has that for all of us if we repent and trust in him. And if we would take this instruction here, if we would listen, if we would learn, if we would be teachable, if we would be instructable, if we would be moldable in his hands, he says it will be good. It will be good for you. It will be good for him. And so he says, if not, it's vain and vexation. If it's all on the earth, it will be dust. It will be nothing. But if we do it for him, it will be for eternity. And that's worth doing for. We're doing for him. Appreciate you being here. Let's close in a word of prayer.